0: number five. I really do. There are so many verses in Psalm 68. If I were to preach a couple of minutes on each verse, we'd be here probably longer than some folk would care to be. So I won't preach on every verse, but I don't want to read the whole Psalm. Because remember, each Psalm... Is a standalone unit. With the exception of a few that we call one chapter books, all the other books in the Bible were divided into chapters. Some only have a few. Which one has the most? Which book of the Bible has more chapters than any other? I give you a hint. In our English Bibles, there are this many books in our Bible. Oh, oh, which one? Isaiah. 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 That's that's how they say it in England. They say Isaiah. Yes, there are sixty-six. Chapters in Isaiah. But what about the Psalms? I think most of us know. They aren't chapters, they're Psalms. <coughs> so let's read this. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jean. And rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, the earth shook; The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You would say amen any time you want. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. Thy congregation hath dwelt therein Thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Kings of armies did flee apace, and she that carried it home divided the spoil. Though ye have leaned among the pots, yet shall ye be as the wings of a dove, covered with silver, and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in salmon. The hill of God is as the hill of Bashan. And the high hill is the hill of Bashan. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are twenty thousand Even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also that the Lord God might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. He that is our God is the God of salvation, and unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. But God shall wound the head of his enemies, and the hairy scalp of such an one as goeth on still in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan, I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies, and the tongue of thy dogs in the same. They have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my King, in the sanctuary. The singers went before, the players on instruments followed after. Among them were the damsels, playing with timbrels. It's a tambourine, I understand. (coughs) Bless ye God of the congregations, even the Lord from the fountain of Israel. There is little Benjamin with their ruler, the princes of Judah and their council, the princes of Zebulun, and the princes of Naphtali, thy God hath commanded thy strength. Strengthen, O God, that which thou hast wrought for us. Because of thy temple at Jerusalem shall kings bring presents unto thee. Rebuke the company of spearmen, the multitude of the bulls, with the calves of the people, till every one submit himself with pieces of silver, scattered out the people that delight in war. Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. O sing praises unto the Lord. To him that riseth upon the heaven of heavens, which were of old. Lo, he does send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel. And his strength is in the clouds. O oh God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. I think I've said this before, but it's still true, folks. When you see the word terrible in the Bible, don't think mothra. Or some other monster that you see in the cinema. Terrible means God gets your attention. He can do things you can only imagine. You can read about in science fiction maybe. You can hear people say, let's pretend. But with God, it's the real deal. Talking with Brother Glenn just a few minutes ago, how that God in a tornado can do some great things. I don't know how I could take a straw and slam it through the neck of an animal. I don't know how I can take just a simple straw and slam it through a tree where part of it's on this side and part of it's on... But God can, does, can do that. And I've talked to people I said, yeah, God has done that. We don't know how it happened. People wonder, how did that, that ship get in that bottle? But... Uh, A lot more amazing things than some of the little shenanigans folks may be capable of doing. There is a common theme in the Old Testament. It does not say, let the people of God be mad. It does not say, let them be sad. But it says, let them be glad. Let the righteous be glad, as we saw in verse three. And there is a word I always think of a Kentucky preacher when I come across the word exceeding or exceedingly. That was a word that John R. Gilpin from Ashland, Kentucky, he used to edit the Baptist Examiner back in the day, and he used to send me his radio messages after he was through with the night play them and record them. And he just liked to talk about things that are exceeding this, or exceedingly that, should get our attention. And our rejoicing should be exceedingly. Don't be wimpy when it comes to praising God. You know, sometimes somebody tells us something and they think, ain't this great? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, that's okay. When it comes to things of God, do we get excited? Marsh and I got down to Shreveport. We heard people say, get all excited. We tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. And then we were told in the Bible classes, well, he's not king yet. Well, yeah, he is. But he is king. And that should excite us. That should cause us to rejoice. The Lord is on the throne. and again, and again. And again. We find that coming out. Like I said, there's five mountain tops. And three of them are actually put to music. I don't suppose I'll sing them to you tonight, this afternoon, but uh, I would if you twist my arm a little bit. Let's see these. Look at verse 4. That's the first one. It's a song. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. I'm singing about me. I'm singing about Uncle Herman or Aunt Joyce. Sing unto the Lord. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him. That means lift up His name. Make Him front and center. First and foremost. That's what I'm talking about extol him that rideth upon the heavens. Now some people say, I remember in Greek mythology, Apollo, when he had his chariot, well the world might ape some of the things of God, but poetically we have it described. <clears throat> it says, Extol him that rideth upon the heavens, by his name Jah. That's the abbreviated form of We say Jehovah. You can see that name in a name like Eli-Jah. That literally means my God is Jehovah. He is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who provides. You want an abbreviation for the Lord's name? You got it right there. Don't call him the big G like one of my friends did, but... He is Yah. And rejoice before Him. That's been set to music. Have you ever sing it at camp? You kiddos remember it from camp? Sing unto God. Does that ring a bell, Evan? I think I saw something there. Yeah. Well, I'll say that for another time. <clears throat> but, verse 4. It's a standalone song. Uh, look at verse number six. After my salvation, I think the greatest gift I've ever had is the gift that changed my life. It's my wife. But there was a time I wondered if God would give me a wife. And I took great confidence in verse number six. That's the second one I want you to look at for a minute. God says the solitary in families. Now as a church, we like to talk about the fact that God instituted the church, not the club, not the business, not the neighborhood watch, he established the church for the spiritual health and well-being of his people. But even before he established the church, he established the home. Benham Bogard was preaching once and he said, I want you to know, a man by himself can't establish a home. He can establish a lodge. He can make a stopover place. But, a man by himself, or a bunch of men by themselves. <clears throat> they really can't establish a home. The poet said it takes a heap of living to make a house a home. But no matter how long you live in it, the building itself is not the home. The heart of the home, of course, is the wife, the mother. And we need to be thankful that God is pleased to do that. And as a young bachelor, I would read that God set the solitary in families. I found another other passages that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. You hear some men talk, that wife ain't such a good thing. They need to read their Bible. They need to get right with the Lord, don't they? But it says it right here, that the solitary are set in families family is so important <clears throat> that the 127th Psalm after it reminds us that except the Lord build the house they labor in vain the building says in verse 3 children are an heritage of the Lord they're not just tax deductions they're not just little inconveniences they're not just some Thing that you have to learn to deal with for a while. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. Hmm. There are a lot of people in this country today that say, Nah, it's just a lump of flesh. Or if they even go that far. It's something that we can dispose of. That's a problem. That really is many Americans see a child like a tumor like a cancer to be be removed you won't find that in the word of God though as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man so are children of the youth I've never been to Russia but I've got a kid that went to Russia that same kid went to Thailand that same kid went to North South Korea not North Korea thank the Lord got another one who's been on the train back and forth and back and forth got another one who went through the crucible of the Marine Corps I never did those things never went to those places had those experiences but through my children I've been able to have some influence and as the Lord gives you children you can know that God is in the business of keeping the program going You might drag your feet and grit your teeth and all that. But God's way is going to get done anyway. Did you know that? Two of us know that anyway. That's true. God is going to get his way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. David and Yvonne were a sweet couple we do in Memphis. And she'd say, well, when we have girls, and he'd listen, and he'd listen. Every once in a while he'd take out his pipe or tap, and tap him and he'd we'll see. We'll see. And so they had a boy. She said, well, the next one will be a girl. And they had another boy. And she said, well, the next one will be a girl for sure. And when number three was a boy, she looked up, you always get your way, don't you? Well, David didn't always get his way. I don't always get my way. You don't always get your way. But God always gets his way. I hope you know that that's so. by the way verse 5 says happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them now I don't know how many it takes to fill up with in our case I think four and no more but that might not be the same for your situation they shall not be ashamed but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate so we look at verse 4 it's a song we look at verse 6 The solitary being set in families. Drop down to verse 11. That's a song. In fact, George Frederick Handel, born in Germany, trained musically in Italy, and then finishing settling in England, wrote famous oratorios a few hundred years ago. But most likely, his most famous is known as Messiah. And Messiah has beautiful music. But all the words in Messiah come straight out of the Word of God. A man named Jennings went to Handel and he said, Sir, I'd like you to put this to music. And he had selected, I believe it's around 50 passages from the Word of God. And Handel locked himself in his library for about two weeks. Even refused food. Took very little sleep. And when he came out, here it was. And we hear it, Messiah. If you just start it and play it straight through, You're good for two hours and 25 minutes, almost two and a half hours. And with the exception of two pieces, it is all music that matches the Word of God. Now, look at verse 11. He didn't have the King James to use for every one of these. Mr. Jennings said please, let's do this and do this and do this. And verse 11, if you listen intently to Messiah when you get to this one, it's a little different from the way we read it. It says, The Lord gave the word, great was the company of those that published it. That's how it reads in our King James. That's a good rendering. However, the one he used said, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of the preachers. He said, "Wait a minute! Doesn't say that in my Bible." No. But I want you to know that when David was moved to write these words, they didn't have the printing press. They didn't chunkity chunkity chukchukety and make copies what did it mean to publish a thing well if you think they had it in Old Testament times you'd be wrong it's But well, maybe in the New Testament maybe they had a different no in fact uh, I don't know we we're gonna touch on this this morning but we did see we got for both services here in Mark chapter 5 verse 20 it tells how that the Lord said, you go back and tell your folks what happened. It says in verse 20 of Mark 5, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis, that's the area of ten cities how great things Jesus had done for him. You can publish without owning a printing press. You can publish without owning a printer to your computer or a mimeograph machine, because published back then meant to get the word out, to proclaim it. Yes. <clears throat> the word was given. The word was proclaimed. So often in the Old Testament, you find a, a one of the prophets rearing back and saying, the word of the Lord that came unto me. Or, thus saith the Lord. What they're saying is, I didn't make this stuff up. They came straight from God. Much as David wrote in the 45th Psalm, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. If you think Mark wrote Mark, you're only half right. If you think Luke wrote Luke, you're only half right. They were the penmen. The real author of God. Hope, you know that. <clears throat> and so the word was published. It was given. It was proclaimed. It was declared. Think of the old time, the scene where somebody would walk into the town and there was a town crier and they rolled out a scroll. Hear ye, hear ye. Don't go to the print shop. You can Hear it right now. Right in this place. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company. I ain't the only one preaching the truth, folks. There's lots of folks telling the truth. Sometimes preachers get the idea, I'm the only one doing the right thing. No, no there was that fellow that we talked about who said, I'm the only one serving the Lord. The Lord said, I've got 7,000 more that have not bowed the knee to bail. Be thankful that we have brothers and sisters. Be thankful that there are churches that are still holding fast the truth as it is in Jesus. I don't think it's any stretch to say that no matter how many Christians there are on this planet right now, I probably haven't met more than just a smidgen of a percent of all of them. But we will meet them in heaven. And it won't be a one-time thing. It'll be a a forever thing. So we looked at three of these already and two of them have been put to music. Human voice. It's amazing what God did. In the the latest issue of Acts and Facts, there's an article how it says that the human voice was written, or rather was created by God, so that it has the capacity to sing. Now, <clears throat> no offense. You know, some people, well, I got a dog who can sing. I got a cat. I got a goldfish or whatever. Well, it might kind of sort of sound like it. But, uh, I don't know that any creature has been blessed with the voice that man, and by that I mean men, women, boys and girls, singing their heart out to the Lord. uh, Paul said, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. I go out in a spring night and I can hear the frogs croak, 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 croak. I don't know what they're saying. I guess the other frogs probably know something about what they're communicating. I can't make anything out of that. But God has specially blessed, specially honored us. He's given us lungs. He's given us vocal cords. He's given us the capacity to use our mind and our memory to sing something. I've talked sometimes, even in old folks' homes, I'll meet somebody and they, they might not know their name. They might not know where they were born or when their birthday is. But uh, Marshall start to play the piano. We start to sing and they come over and say, do you know? And they'll name some old hymn that registered with them. Thank God for godly hymns that teach the truth and remind for the next generation to know those things. Speaking of songs, if you have hung around us for very long, either here at church, or at camp, or some mixture thereof, you know that there's another passage of scripture that fits rather well to music. Caught myself quoting it this morning. Verses 19 and 20. Blessed be the Lord who every once in a while throws us a bone and we just got something to gnaw on. No, that's not the way it reads in my Bible. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. If your attitude toward God is, what's he done for me lately? Wake up. Smell the roses. Every breath you're able to draw. Be thankful for parents, be thankful for opportunities, be thankful for blessings, but all blessings derive from him. And he hasn't been cheap about it. He has been very generous. God's been better to me than I've been in response to him. I think if you're honest, you'd have to say the same thing. You say, Yeah, preacher, you're not too good toward the Lord. But none of us. What has the Lord done for us? And What do we do? Sometimes we say thank you. Sometimes when we say thank you, we might be saying, what took you so long? Don't use that language with the Lord. Don't have that mindset with the Lord. In his time, in his way, according to his purpose. I talked to a widow who said, I had so many years with so-and-so. And some people would say, mean old God took my spouse, my parent, my child away. But the more godly usually say something like, I thank God that he brought so-and-so into my life for so much time. Think of the people who have invested in you. Think of the people That you have a debt. You can never pay them back. You can only pay it forward to the next generation. And they took the time to say just the right thing in just the right way to just the right one. You sometimes. You who needed it so badly. Or maybe the person next to you and you got a blessing on the side, so to speak. Those words might have been Forgotten by some. But God has a way of causing things to, as the Lord prayed concerning some folks, may these sayings sink down into their ears. And so the Lord daily loads us with benefits. What kind of a God we're talking about? The God of our salvation. He's not the God of the party time. He's not the God of the harvest time only. He's the God of all times. He's the God when we need him most, the God of salvation. There were people of the Greco-Roman world who had a God of love, a God of rejoicing, a God of kicking back, a God of human gratification. But when they knew they were dying, I doubt they called on those gods. We have one to whom we can go. When you and I breathe our last in this world, we can say, for this I have Jesus. You can't say that about some of these phony baloney gods. It's so important it's mentioned again in verse 20, He that is our God is the God of salvation. You want to talk about salvation? There's some religions, they don't even have that concept to be addressed in their theology, if you can call it that. And unto God God the Lord belong, the issues from death, life and death, pretty serious stuff. God is the one who is there on that? Now, throughout the treasury of David, that was a favorite nickname for the book of the Psalms, we see this expression, the God of salvation. I got a string of them, I won't read them off to you, but uh, again and again, this ain't the only place you'll read about the God of salvation. And we read also in other books historic, and prophetic. In fact, three times. The Old Testament itself is by the Jews, and Jesus honored this break, divided into three sections. The Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. They only had three divisions of what we call the Old Testament. And Jesus talked about that in Luke 24. He says, you'll see me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms. And it's about me. If You can't see Christ in the Old Testament. You didn't ask for discernment. Put those spiritual glasses on and pray that the spirit would show you. Pray that you would compare scripture with scripture and you'll see some amazing things. Well, we haven't gotten to Psalm 118 yet. Lord willing, trust Him that we will. But in the book of Exodus, the 15th of Exodus, after God had flooded away, washed away the Egyptians and their chariots, Miriam, big sister of Moses, starts to sing and people joined in. And one of the things they did was to honor, to praise, to extol our great God. And it says, the Lord is my strength and my song and my salvation. Preachers love to alliterate. (laughs) You got your three S's right there. So nice, he said it twice more. Where you see, in the song. We find that formula again in the 118th. The one smack between the shortest, 117, and the longest, 119. There is one in the middle, 118. And it's there in verse 14. We read that. And we also read it in which is the longest prophetic book? Somebody already mentioned it's the longest book of the old testament Isaiah chapter 12 it says it again the Lord is my strength my song he's become my salvation so I'll give you four of the mountain peaks well there are a lot of verses in this song and haven't really focused on the majority but drop down to verse 34 What is our responsibility? We can't make God any stronger. We can't make God any smarter. We can't do anything to make God more omnipresent. But we do have a task. And with the breath I have, part of my responsibility is to do this. And if you're a child of God, it's your responsibility too. You know, sometimes people say, well, such and such happened. Happen. So are you sure we're lucky? Hope you don't. Yeah, yeah. It's luck. Chalk it up to luck. Chalk it up to good living. Chalk it up to... No. Look at verse 34. Ascribe these strength unto God. It's because we have such a strong, such a wise, such a resourceful God. You want to know why things work out according to his plan? Because he has the power. He has the resources. He has the intellect. He makes it so. You watch little kids on the playground? Now, here, this little stick, that's you. We're going to pretend this. And this over here, that's such and such. We're going to pretend. They can pretend all day. But it's all make-believe. God never said, no, angels, let's pretend. No, it's, it's let's pretend. This is it is. Things were created by His fiat decree. That means He spoke it into existence. And it was so. One of the proofs of the deity of Jesus is that a man came to Him and He says, I have this servant back home. And he's all messed up. And the Lord said, well, let's go see him. And the fellow says, wait a minute. I've been listening to you. If you are who you say, and I believe you are, you don't even need to go to my house. You could just say the word right here, right now. And it would happen. The Lord didn't go, oh, shut up. You give me too much credit. No. He turned to his disciples and he said, you know, I haven't heard this kind of faith. And among the children of Israel. He turned to the disciples, who probably thought they knew pretty much everything there was to know about the Lord. And he says, Did you know what he said? Are you paying attention, fellas? Did you get it? Hear the faith. He knows I don't have to be there eyeball to eyeball in order to accomplish this. And he said, in my words, in English, it would have sounded something like, Sir, go on home and you'll find the fellow is made right. And the man went home. the Scriptures tell us that when he got home and they said, Hey, your servant is healed. And uh, when did that happen? Oh, it was about such and such a time. Hmm. It just so happens That was about the time Jesus was saying, Sure was lucky it worked out that way. Don't talk that way. Don't think that way. God does things according to His great plan and purpose. He never gets ahead of Himself. He never drops behind and plays catch up. No. Everything is according to His way. His timetable according to the great purpose that he has. And so you know what we're supposed to do? Ascribe strength to our God. You can't brag too much on the Lord. You can't give him too much credit. I heard a student in Sunday school say, I guess God's the only one that can do that. Well, that's one way to put it. I think God is more powerful than Zeus. And uh, he man. did they kept to go on with this, that, and the other. Listen, whether they're real or imaginary, nobody begins to compare with the Lord. Including the devil. Including the angels. Including you, me, all of us together. Somebody said you had a tug of war and every being that's ever existed one end of the rope, God one the other. You think God's going to strain a muscle or work up a sweat? No. His power, His creativity, everything about Him is so much greater because everyone and everything else is a created being. Everything we have came from, it's derivative, it's not original to us. I've never had an original idea. Maybe nobody else heard it before in their circle, but God is the one who points things out. And any glory, any credit goes to God. Men are sometimes quick to hear and even to react to things that might be ascribed to themselves or others. There was a guy in the Old Testament, his name was Saul. When he started out, he actually had it together in a lot of things. But after a while, he got to thinking, I'm the king, people are talking about me. It's all about me. And then God raised up the youngest son, a guy named Jesse. We you know him as David. David came on the scene, and suddenly Saul's got the big shot. In the estimation of the people, it tells us in First uh, Samuel chapter eighteen, they're coming back from the war. God had done a great thing, and He used Saul to do some things, and He used some others to do some things, and He used David to do some things. And so, I can just see Saul riding in, so proud. Yeah, we got the victory. I was the leader. I'm the big enchilada or whatever he thought about himself. And you got the ladies singing praise. And the ladies on one side says, Here is Saul who slain his thousands. Ooh, Saul liked to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in a response, the ladies on the other side, and David is slain his ten thousands. Ooh smarts. What's going through Saul's mind? The Bible tells us, they've described to me thousands. But to David, ten thousands. And instead of saying, ain't God good? Look at it. He's used me and David to do a great thing. No. All I can think of, I wish this David wasn't around. And so David, instead of being the number one, the one that he should have honored, the one who only wanted to honor the king, he despised David, tried to destroy David, basically took out a bounty on him and did all kinds of stuff, shameful stuff, to target David. Literally, we are to ascribe strength unto God that comes out time and time again. You know, no matter where you are, I find that people they want to get as much credit as they can. I was in prison for a year in Pine Bluff. And uh, I had three inmates who served me faithfully. Two of them are dead and one is still incarcerated. I won't use their real names, I'll just say Mr. A, B, and C. Mr. A was my clerk, and he was also the assistant librarian. Mr. B was the porter, the basically the janitor, and Mr. C was the librarian. And so, at one point, it was time to give these guys credit. So I made a little document up for each one. And Mr. A, I had it saying that he was my chief clerk because he was the main one. And then, I forget which one it was B and which one it was C. Anyway, the one who was the librarian, I wrote, librarian. We didn't have an assistant librarian, so I just said librarian. And then the third one, I put him down as porter, which is the janitor. And so I give to A, and I give to B, and I give to C. And the guy that I gave that one for the porter. He went back to his area, and I guess he got to thinking, oh wait a minute, this guy is the, he's the, he's the chief clerk. Another guy is the assistant clerk. And then the other guy's the librarian, and he's the only librarian. But I'm the only porter. And he came to me and he says, could you give me another one that says I'm the chief porter? I said, sure back of my mind I thought that might make a good sermon illustration someday and so I did but people want to say hey this is me This don't, don't forget me I, I, I'm a somebody too and uh, it's true that the Lord uses a lot of different people in a lot of different ways one of my favorite presidents that I actually got to vote for was Ronald Wilson Reagan. One of the sayings he had was, It's amazing how much can get done if we don't worry about who gets the credits. It's all about the Lord. If the Lord shows you something from His Word, thank Him. If the Lord uses somebody else, including me, don't give me the credit because Anything I tell you, if it's true, it's derivative. It came from God. I don't get the credit. I'm just glad they're listening. But whether you did it for me or somebody else, I don't have to come up with a song on my own. I'm so indebted to, especially Brother Dan, to teach me some songs. That just about every Sunday you teach me one or two. And uh, if I live long enough. <laughs> might know everyone in the book. But uh, remember, it's the Lord who is the source of our benefits. It says to ascribe strength to our God. And that's true. Now, I want show you two other things we are to ascribe to God. If you have any of this, if you've seen and experienced any of this, and one of them is greatness. You know that some people... They want to be great. I can remember a guy used to get in the boxing ring and he'd say, I am the greatest. And he'd punch this guy. I am the greatest. And he'd punch another guy. I think he took a few punches to the head too. Before he passed away, he was known for selling bug sprays. I could get those bugs dead. Sometimes, Man starts out as a hero, and he winds up a zero. But God is the great one. Deuteronomy 32, verse 3 says, Because I will publish the name of the Lord. What does publish mean? means to get the word out. Talk about it. I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Lawrence Crawford. I got to preach, well, I got to preach under him too, but I got to listen to his preaching. And he would often refer, not just to God, like a generic being, he called him our great God. We have a portion in him. And he's a great God. He's not a wimpy God. He's not an on-again, off-again God. He is our great God. Is it wrong to talk that way? You can't give God too much credit. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. And one more to close. Probably the oldest book in our Bible. The book of Job. Chapter 36. I want you, when God does a thing, He's not goofing around. When God does a thing, there's, Goodness. Righteousness. When God does a thing, it is righteous. No matter what experience you have, don't ever say, mean old God. God must have forgotten me or something like that. He is righteous in all His ways. Holy in all His works, as the psalmist says. But before we get to the psalms, I want to close with this one. Job 36. The young man, Elihu. He wasn't one of the three that the Lord said, I want to hear your prayer. Ask Job. I'll ask. I'll hear Job's prayer on your behalf. But you fellas forget. But there's another, a young man, Elihu. He had more sense than those other three guys put together. And he says in verse 3 of Job 36, I will fetch my knowledge from afar and will ascribe righteousness to my maker. You meet some preacher who says, actually, God's the author of that sin. You run away from that. I don't care how many scriptures they may quote. I don't care how many scholars they may reference. Anything that makes God the author of sin is wrong, wrong, and it's wrong too. God is not the author of sin. Some people think that They get painted into a corner. I I guess God is the author of sin. No, don't say that. Don't say that. That's very clearly said to be a lie of the first order. Ascribe ye righteousness to my maker. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, did you notice that each of these five, begin and end, By directing us to praise and honor our great God. I've said it before, but I hope you know, folks, it's all about the Lord. Let's stand to this.